I've been finding matching mugs hmm. at thrift stores. Wow, what an endeavor. Look at how long did that take? Look, if I'm doing the math correctly, that's it. Is that is that 10 of each color you're getting there, but you're missing one red and one yellow? Is that right? Uh, my yellow's behind me. Oh, of course, of course. Right. You drink out and of the red. Oh, and me. the red's behind me, of course. So that's, uh, you've got a full set of 40 mugs. Yeah, yeah. It took a long time, but hashtag no new manufacturer. Totally worth it. Yeah, yeah. And also squad goals. Yeah, yep. Squad squad goals, no new manufacturer. Um, and, you know, the great thing is, I can just have my manservant wash all the dishes. So I like, sometimes I use all 40 cups. And uh, my question is, what do grapes have to do with this? You lost me. Well, the grape thing is that you get to just. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> they call me Mr. Grapes. <laughs> attention is divided i keep getting notifications that uh reddit is arguing with me about whether or not superman is an american light truth justice and the better tomorrow yeah what's your stance no he's not a fucking american he lives in america but he's a kryptonian he's not even a person you started that argument on reddit oh fuck yeah you let you said anything on reddit that left room for people to disagree with you oh fuck yeah that's bold. It's called ego modulation, Jeff. Look into it. Is it what you do to keep yourself in check? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're like, okay, I got to make sure people tear me down. Okay, all right. Gotta, Without Justin around all the time, it's got to be at least a little bit harder. This haircut only goes so far. It's crazy what this immersive view does for our headphones, right? There's just these, we're like those Catholic pictures of Jesus when he's got a big golden <laughs> ring around his head. And it, it's like you're, you're looking into another another universe. Yeah, pocket realities. <laughs> Um, truth, justice, and the I, I stand with you entirely. He's not an American. He's a Kryptonian who lives in America. And there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, but, hey I just don't not, want him it, to it, it, Don't get insurance. me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay? I just don't want my tax tax money to go to Superman's insurance. Yeah, ironically, his insurance is American Family Insurance. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Ash is sending a message that I've out there being a Peacemaker TV show. Yep. Yep, Holy been, sh living shit. That's been the plan. I'll watch it. I won't. <laughs> really? I liked him in that movie. Oh! I was thinking the Jimmy T.I.V. Batman character. No, no, no. Peacemaker no. 1. That's Peacekeeper. Peacekeeper. Okay. No, this is, this is Toilet Seat Peacemaker. John Cena. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll totally see right? that. Right? Fuck yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was like a Jimmy <laughs> T. IV straight from the Batman con Ashton sent me a message and I was like, talk about a movie no one wanted to see. <laughs> and he didn't respond. So I that now I get it. Okay. Okay. Peacekeeper. Yeah. Okay. From the mediocre mind of a man named James. <laughs> <laughs> man, I was thinking just like what 
how like they had to have been planning that tv show from the moment he created it in fear state or whatever like good lord <laughs> okay okay all right i need to correct my text to ashton i hate the fake backgrounds because it's always so distracting to me because somebody's talking and the edges of their body their head yeah. are morphine and stuff and i hate yeah. it it's like some kind of horrible bad science fiction movie <laughs> me too i do too <laughs> i do too roman i couldn't agree with you more but i did really like the kitchen not the kitchen we were just in but the cup kitchen that jenny and i started in that was a really good one the cup kitchen you want to you want to come to the cup kitchen roman i don't think i saw the cup kitchen let's let's just bring you into the cup kitchen here this is, is audio gold by the way it is because there's no video component jenny, roman do you see this cup kitchen that is that is the nicest of the the immersive experiences i call this yeah. two boys 40 cups well 38 because two of them are dirty but yeah and there's one missing there on the reds oh wait and then the yellows there they are that's weird how come there's one missing from red and yellow but not the other two they're behind us they're They're on the counter we were drinking out of them earlier oh huh weird if this was a video podcast (laughs) it would have been gold (laughs) this would have been absolute gold um okay i'm gonna go to gallery view because this whole thing is no, let me Can out of immersive. No, you've trapped me in immersive mode. <laughs> Let's see. How do I change this? How was your day, Roman? Tiring. Yeah, mine too, man. <laughs> I, I, I got a 20-minute nap, though. Set oh, my wow, timer. I wake nice. up about 30 minutes ago, so I'm feeling a little in between the existences. Oh, that's sweet. See, I'm, I'm ready for a nap right now. Whoa, that's that's really bad. <laughs> this is what Django stares at all the time. Oh my That's God. our Moby. That Moby would, code. That would make me insane. Inspired by Sean and his annual halloween movie watching month um october movie watching watch i've been trying to watch horror movies that i haven't seen mm-hmm. so i watched constantine and hereditary last night okay really liked them both and yeah you're right about constantine it it's a blast that's yeah. jeff's that's i thought that was, oh, that was you? argument I, was I believe i'm oh. the huge constantine well Django has always said we, it's a good movie like yeah, yeah yeah oh okay yeah yeah, but I was the one who was <laughs> okay Jeff. on the podcast trying to get you to watch that film. Okay, so ah, now my yeah. ego is feeling yeah good. So that's for, that's for Jeff's oh. ego. Um, wow. Maybe you should Django, go. I watched go pick the... a fight on Reddit, Roman. <laughs> I don't okay. have Jeff. the I, Django. <laughs> even me at the most ego inflated couldn't handle <laughs> the courage that you demonstrated by picking a fight on Reddit. But I'm so glad that you like Constantine because I really like that movie. It was so fun and. You know, I the reason I never watched it is because he wasn't British. So I thought, well, what's the point? But that's fair. He, he yeah, was that's a, fair. But but yeah, it's it was a lot of fun. And you know, he's just a kind of a 1950s film noir weird occult detective. So that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the scene. Could... Sorry. Oh, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say the scene where he blows the cigarette smoke under the cup while there's a spider in it while he's listening to uh, "Time Out" by Dave Brubeck is yeah. just like a scene that stays and he's just like me and you both buddy or whatever he says like it's just i fucking love that scene like that is just burned into my mind when i saw that in the theater in junior high and one of my favorite jazz albums he's just oh it's so cool yeah that that was a great scene and then and the spider kind of freezes in there yeah and later on and even though i hate spiders later on um what's her name uh, Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weiss. Yeah, she reached, She lifts the cup, and the spider goes away. And I was like, "Oh, good, the spider's still alive." <laughs> <laughs> Jenga, you were gonna say, "Okay, okay," not to derail us already yeah. no, in a podcast can... that hasn't even really started. But Jeff, Dave Brubeck, yeah, big thumbs up, big thumbs up. Uh, Mingus, Charles Mingus. Mingus. Um, I I like anything I've heard by Mingus, but I can't say that I've 
purchased Charles Mingus album and listened to it top to bottom. Like I have a Dave Brubeck album. Mingus okay. is somebody who we would listen to in jazz band or we would play some arrangements of his. Um, but I don't think I could tell you like a Mingus song I love. Okay. Uh, so this is, this is just two, two jazz people digging deep into, yeah. into, into my college. I used to walk around listening to George Clinton, a, a mixtape that I made of George Clinton going into Mingus uh, and the, the Mingus song. I, don't, I, I, I haven't tracked it down again, but it's, it goes like. Okay. All right. Anyway, I, I, Siri can't recognize it either. I don't, I don't know what her <laughs> problem is. Um, second jazz person, Ross, Ross and Roland Kirk. Never heard of that one. Oh, buddy. That dude played two saxophones at a time high on cocaine <laughs> um how do he play two at a time one's in his butt no they're both in his mouth roman uh his top mouth wow. yeah yeah uh i'm trying I, to track I down this could do that trying to track down this uh charles mingus uh george clinton is it is it like oh no it, it wasn't it wasn't a collaboration it was just a mixtape that i made was he oh okay 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 so it wasn't that so he I sampled had, it and went into it, it was like two three separate songs, songs from each. but okay okay yeah. okay okay because when i was when i was putting up funk posters um yeah. advertising funk music in general to the population of of the college oh wow yeah damn that's, that's, that's three saxophones Kirk. that's three saxophones yeah I mean, sometimes he did two, probably. Maybe yeah. he always did three. Yeah, I can't say I've ever heard of him, but he's doing some crazy stuff yeah. there. What a show off. Weird, he's weird. Like Hen- he's like Hendrix with saxophones. <laughs> it's hard to burn a saxophone, Roman. Hard. <laughs> yeah, you know, Jang and I, just two jazz hounds digging deep, you know? That's oh, just yeah. what we've always been. Yeah. Full of jazz hounds digging deep. Basically. But wait, let's talk for a second, actually. <laughs> Yeah. Sounds familiar. Um, and the drums are really cool too. Just the no, that's that's the that's the horn. No, I know, but the beginning part, that's the part yeah. that sounds familiar to me. Okay, yeah. Um <laughs> but uh so there is some jazz that you don't like. There's some, but you just you really don't like like coffee shop jazz. The smoother, the not better for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want I I don't really like my music to be background music i guess you don't want to be able to hear like a jazz song play chimes at any point like you know like that's like wind chimes you know like you don't want to be able to hear it would have to be have to be very perfect... in your face aggressive and distorted and mic'd or something but i feel like smooth yeah. jazz likes to throw a couple like chimes in the background yeah there's there's just oh i love it i love a yeah, smooth it's, jazz it's not it's not that i don't think it's valid music i just don't want it i just don't want it for me no i hear it i hear it even my like my jazz instructor did not like like coffee shop jazz is what he called it I, which is you know sort of like typically very smooth background music jazz yeah something not too interruptive yeah i love shopping that music. shit yeah i love that shit but again i had to work hard to go to places that had shopping music um okay angels oh i thought you were gonna say anus no this is a podcast at the last this is second a profession- i don't think i did i i stayed the course the whole time no, you just have a mind for the anus i know you that stuff i've always wanted to be an angel i want to be jackman smith one of the best Bob Dylan moments, memories I have is it was like in the fall, a night like tonight, probably. No, worse. It was stormy and I was waiting in my car outside the Fairhaven Amtrak station to pick up a friend. 
and listening to I forget which track it was, but that um oh god that Dylan album I'm, I always forget the name of I keep keep mentioning to you uh, on Don Blanc no later than that in the from the nineties um, oh, time out of mind time out of mind I think that oh. was it but I was listening to that and I forget which song exactly but one of the like you know woman broke my heart done me wrong songs and pouring rain and streaming down the windows it was great mm, I love them sounds like a Roman wet dream. Yeah. Roman's yeah. wet dreams are just all about rain and, and, and clouds. Yeah. It was only a month or so after Rachel <clears throat> broke up with me. So I was heartbroken and it was great. I'd listen to a podcast called Roman's Wet Dreams. Yep. <laughs> just all about like boats and movies with rain in them. Yeah. I think it should be called Roman's Wet Dreams, but never have any actual sexual content or even allude <laughs> that you would think that it would have any sexual content. Just like his dreams about the water. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like not even. Not even talk about peeing, like nothing, nothing, nothing below the waist. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Until you get to the rain boots. Right. Yeah. I think we should record four or five episodes of that podcast and put it up. <laughs> I think it would be so fucking awesome. Roman's wet dreams. And my duck boots had a little leak. Well, a little leak, but it was okay, you know, because I got used to it. <laughs> my feet. I was my, wearing my... a new coat. Yeah, I like the coat. No. <laughs> the coat was great. My, red, right. my right foot yes. was squeaking and squawking, but, you know. I woke up and my fish tank had broken all over my bed. <laughs> it was the worst night second worst night of my life the first worst night of my life <laughs> how much time do you have <laughs> um welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast episode 244 oh gosh that's old it's a premiere podcast premiere this is the first episode this is episode 244 the first one I we've done a lot of practice Kramer. it's that's no you're thinking of seinfeld Oh. Yeah. Uh, I'm Jeff, and I'm the straight man. I'm Django, and I'm the straight Hon -hon. man. Hon -hon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Roman, and I'm the, the crooked man. Mm. Oh. I thought you were yes. going to say anything but straight you man. Are. Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nope, never mind. It's about comic that... books. We run a comic ship in Bellingham, Washington. A comic ship? That reminds yeah. me of a rain story. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, wow. Wow, I wish that any of that was going to be in. Um, it's a comic book podcast by three people who love each other and make comic book love with one another on a podcast where we talk about the comics that came out that week. Is it a review show? No. It's Is it a comic book podcast? Yeah, but we don't talk enough about comics to be a comic book podcast. Is it a comedy podcast? Yeah, but we talk way too much about comics to be a comedy podcast where this very thin line that exists in the middle of the two. Like, and for like the some gutter people, between panels. Exactly. Like yeah. the gutter between panels. Like the well, gutter. The gutter. Welcome to the gutter. Welcome to the gutter. gutter well, cast. well, Wellmer. Happy Pappies and episode 244. No, it says hello, Pappies, but I like happy Pappies. Happy Pappies. Um, May 21st. Babe, way back in May 1st. Back yonder. May 1st. May 1989. Uncanny X-Men 244 saw the introduction of Jubilee a young mutant teenager creating her own fireworks in L.A. Mall for money. I love Jubilee. Years later, we saw a similar introduction of Jubilee in episode one of X-Men the Animated Series, Night of the Sentinels. X-Men the Animated Series was my introduction to the characters, mine as well, and comics in general as a child. And it is the standard that I hold X-Men comics to, which generally fail to live up to the childhood nostalgic expectations despite their high quality. Which leads me to question of the week, Wilmer. Which comic book property, besides The Shadow, do you hold a childhood nostalgia for to that current iterations generally fail to hold up to football is life will PS football is also death. And sometimes football is football too, but mostly 
football is life? I like that question. I also think that everyone should listen to the Ted Lasbros, which within a week will have its own podcast feed. We'll be able to just look up Ted Lasbros and we'll be able to find it. And you can listen to those episodes we've recorded so far. And we're going to be starting back at the beginning soon. If you like Will, like I do. Childhood nostalgia properties. The X-Men one is a really salient one for me as well. Because of the cartoon? Yeah, the cartoon show and Spider-Man, the animated series from around that same time, both were the most I've ever enjoyed either of those franchises. And I've always engaged with those franchises to hopefully enjoy as much as I did with those animated series. I I was Googling something. I kind of tuned out for a second, but I would say the shadow probably. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He does that while I talk. I would also throw in uh, for good measure spawn spawn. Oh, like interesting. I have a giant artist edition of Todd McFarlane's spawn art. I don't think that the comic is maybe worth reading ever but it looks so cool and i thought he was so cool as a child that uh i've always like i've never been able to actually engage in spawn in a medium that makes me enjoy it as much as i thought i did as a kid for me it would probably actually be indiana jones or mm-hmm. wolverine from like weapon x through the mark Silvestri stuff those i i just every time i see him i have this weird tug at my soul to go open them up and read them Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to freak you out there. You said tug. Well, yeah, I'm a, we're I'm on a boat. boat. I'm a boat guy. Those, uh, doc- what about you, about Roman? Roman's wet dreams are all about tugboats. Yeah, Roman's dreams all involved aquatic atmospheres, places, boats, rainstorms. He watch generally caps, watch caps, lighthouses, white birds, squaw, white claws. Um, and he generally will get on this podcast before we start recording and talk a little bit about his most recent aquatic dream, or as we call them, Roman's wet dreams. Roman, what's a childhood franchise for you that you still have a deep nostalgic love for, but nothing else ever comes close when it's uh, trying to capitalize on that same property? Yeah, there's I'm sure there's a handful. Of, Is it green? The, 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 I don't think any of them are. Uh, the Creeper, Plastic Man, Howard the Duck. I mean, yeah. it's ironic how the duck is becoming because of the movies is becoming a resurgence in popularity. But I mean, since Steve Gerber's gone, nobody's ever going to be able to capture the Howard of my youth. Does Chips Darcy come close? No. <laughs> this week, we're going to be talking about a handful of comic books that really got us up in arms and a return of a segment that everyone loves. The Berkshire. But before we get to the Berkshire, we're going to be talking about Batman Simposter number one. We're going to be talking about Strange Adventures number 12. We're going to talk a little bit about Maze Book number nine, Superman and the Authority number four, and Darkhold Iron Man number one. And then we'll go into the old Berkshire. Before we get to the before we even start off Batman's imposter, let's talk a little bit about DC fandom today. Oh, hi. Didn't watch it, but I heard about it. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I didn't. Yeah. We, we were working. We didn't get to watch. Yeah, I didn't that. watch it either. I don't even know what it is. It's just a big DC online thing where they released a bunch of news bites. Uh, Django, I imagine you have a list of news bites right in front of you. So you want to just give us the highlights of the things that were announced at DC's fandom, the online interactive experience today, yeah. June 14th. We the got year of our uh, Lord. Uh, look at Black Adam, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Black Adam. Uh, new look at The Flash. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, which I guess is the next Aquaman movie due out next December, like a year from now. Um, Some stuff about Milestone, Um, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. Don't I guess that's a new game. 
uh, a Peacemaker movie or a TV show, not, not Peacekeeper. Peacekeeper. Peacemaker yep. with a toilet toilet seat hat. Um, some Superman stuff. They're changing the Superman slogan from truth, justice in the American way to truth, justice and a better tomorrow. Uh, Doom Patrol season four, some stuff about Sandman, um, Injustice cartoon. That's kind of cool. Oh, I hope Tom Taylor's um, involved. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a Blue Beetle movie coming huh. soon. Um, so I think an it's going to be Catwoman movie. It's going to be Jaime in, in that um, Gotham Knights, Court of the Owls. But a big thing was that they showed the first The Batman trailer, oh. which comes out in March. But I feel like we did this like two years ago. What is time? Didn't everybody get excited about The Batman trailer like two years ago? Did it also use the Nirvana cover, like cover of Nirvana something in the way like this one did? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember the Nirvana song in the first trailer. Did you watch this new trailer, Roman? Yeah. What did what is everyone's take on it? Are we excited about this? I think it looks really cool. I think uh, I like that they're just kind of jumping in and it seems like they're putting a lot of various villains and heroes in there. Um, so it, it feels a little bit like uh, like an all-star Batman baddie mashup from the trailer. I'm into that. I don't like the way he looks. I don't think I'll ever like the way he looks as, a, as Bruce Wayne. Robert Pattinson? Yeah, but yeah. I like the way he kicks people. So <laughs> Yeah, he looked better in costume to me in this round of trailers than he did before. Although I don't know how many shots of him in the costume we got mm-hmm. before, but yeah, he looked better in the costume, but I agree. Like, I just can't, I'm like, yeah, you look like a spoiled brat, which I guess <laughs> Bruce Wayne maybe is, but he looks like when he's being Bruce Wayne, maybe he's just playing the Bruce Wayne character really well, but yeah, it's interesting. It's a different tone. Like the Batmobile is very like, what if we do kind of like a fast and furious mm-hmm. Batman, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. And I like Jeffrey Wright quite a bit as Gordon. Okay. Who's Jeffrey Wright? Um, he's the voice of the Watcher in the What If show. Okay. He was he was the the main scientist in Westworld. Did you watch that? Is Andy Serkis in that trailer? I think he's Alfred. That's what I was thinking. Is like, is that Andy Serkis Alfred? I think so. Yeah, that was surprising to me. If huh. anything, he That's should weird. be running the circus. That's what who's, I was thinking. Who's the director of The Batman? Uh, Matt Reeves. I know that name. What else has he done? Movies. He did. He did some movies. <laughs> well, which ones? Uh, Matt Reeves directed "Let Me In." Mm. Okay. No, he wrote "Let Me In." Holy oh. shit! Um, I think it's yeah. I if, halfway through the trailer, I was like, I'm not gonna get excited about a new Batman restart. It seems like we do this every couple of months anymore. Mm-hmm. And you already got everyone excited about this same movie with a different trailer like two years ago, which is crazy. I think it's a better trailer though. This is a better trailer. From the man who brought you Cloverfield and two of the planets of the ape. Yeah. Um, but by the end of the trailer, I was like, I am excited to see this movie. Like March. Cool. I'm excited to see that. So huh. see, by, the end of, by the end of the trailer, I was like, eh, I'll see it. I might wait for streaming, but depending on how the pandemic's going, but I'm not, ex- I'm not really that excited. <laughs> streaming is another theme of Roman's wet dreams. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, rain currents this the the water on the streets as they fall into the storm storm drains streams streams lead to rivers rivers lead to towns and where do streams come from roman exactly and to roman we will return batman simp poster number one this one has art by jock i don't have my copy in front of me would you remind me of who wrote this <laughs> mattson tomlin wrote it but and and although Jock is a good guest, Jeffrey, it was actually oh sorry, Andrea Sorrentino. Sorrentino. My bad. Yeah. I just <laughs> duh. not having it in front of you. That's an honest mistake. Yeah. Um, with uh, Jordi Belair on colors, and it follows w- what looks to me like 
Robert Pattinson dressed up as Batman. Yeah, it does. Um, hanging out with Leslie Tompkins after he gets beat up. And uh, she kind of browbeats him and, and blackmails him into coming and talking to her as his therapist. Um, he has to be there at a certain time every morning uh, or, or she'll call the cops and tell them that he's Bruce Wayne. And uh, meanwhile, there's there's a really kind of horrific crime being committed against uh, gangsters by someone who is pretending to be Batman. It's definitely not Batman, but they're they're murdering gangsters by throwing them off buildings and stuff. And we get a nice uh, a nice kind of sad version of the rat catcher in here. And the art obviously is amazing. There's even a, a great shot of Roman Sedonis in his uh, underwear, his leopard print underwear and his mm. black mask. Who would have thought we would have two weeks of rat catcher comics in a row? It's kind of weird, isn't it? Suicide Squad. But this was a good rat catcher. Like I felt, I felt for this guy. Yeah, and I really liked him in the previous uh, in Arkham City last week as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought do... this was a gorgeous comic. Yeah, I thought it was a gorgeous comic, and I really liked the writing of it and the structure of it and kind of what it is. I like a Batman comic that you're not spending the entire comic with Batman. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's he's sort of like it's more he's twenty percent of the story rather than hundred percent of the story. Yeah. What this kind of reminded <laughs> me of was Gotham Central. Um, yep in that you're dealing a lot with sort of the power infrastructure of Gotham and the rich people and the effect kind of the ecosystem and sense of equilibrium that is necessary in this town. If Batman exists in it, like there is crime mm -hmm. in it and there are police in it. And all of that has to exist on some sort of a balance point for Batman to continue being able to do what he does. And I right. like that this kind of explores some of the tipping points uh, on the other sides of the table for the Batman relationship with Gotham. And I think it's a prequel too. I don't think there's any, there, there are a lot of people that we recognize in here, but a lot of them like Wesker, the ventriloquist, he's not the ventriloquist yet. Ratcatcher is not Ratcatcher yet. Yeah. It, it, I was sort of commenting on how like, it seems coincidental that this came out the same week that the Batman's trailers coming out and it's modeled after this sort of like utility armor pad mm -hmm. Batman costume style, which is sort of what the, the Batman is going for in its costume. And I was, yeah, Ashton pointed out that that movie takes place three years into him being Batman and this comic also takes place three years into him being mm -hmm. Batman. So it seems like there's some synchronicity going on with that. Yeah. What'd you think, Roman? That's cool. If it's, if it's <clears throat> tied into the, the movie, what's the last words in this comic are the Batman in bold. Um, I like, I liked it a lot. It's a, you know, it's a black label book, so we don't have to worry about that. People are going to complain about continuity and that kind of stuff, but it doesn't matter because it's black label. Mm -hmm. I liked it a lot. I really liked the balance with the, uh, the police plot here with detective Wong and then Batman's Batman's whole thing with Leslie Tompkins. Though it did kind of, I thought, as soon as she said the thing about you have to you have to call me every morning at dawn or else I'm calling the police. It's like what what happens if he's in a death trap or in space with the Justice League? I mean, come Leslie, on, Leslie. I don't think you fully understand <laughs> yeah, what goes yeah. into being Batman. And sometimes you finish a big night of kicking butts and hanging up people, and you got to just go right to bed. Okay? Yeah, what if he's in the Sahara, tied out on the sand and shirtless, and you know, he I was thinking exactly. You said the Sahara. I was like, he's got to be shirtless with his cowl on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, I, I totally agree. But I also do like, you know, that Ted Lasso therapy conversation. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, the therapy thing is great. You know, like mm -hmm. I can't imagine it's going to be handled as delicately or as well as something like Ted Lasso. But again, I do like an increasing volume of conversation of therapy in a lot of mainstream medium. Media. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great? What if okay. there there was a Bat, Batman Black Label book or whatever? 
um, written by the writers of Ted Lasso, and it was just called the series was just called Batman Therapy. It couldn't happen because what if is a Marvel thing? Oh, we'll call it Elseworlds if. <laughs> yeah, Django, Django, Django got there also. Elsif. I love that idea. It's Ted Lasso. What we need, we need Ted Lasso to be stuck with Batman. But we listen. This is on the podcast about Ted Lasso. There's ones about that. Um, yeah, I do. I love just the kind of the idea of needing to give Bruce therapy, but I also don't imagine he's exactly somebody who's going to approach that situation in a manner where you're going to get a lot out of therapy. You got to want to be there. Yeah. I don't think he's going to want to be there. That's true. And, and he really, and this Batman really needs it because apparently Alfred has abandoned him, which I find that hard to believe Alfred would ever abandon Bruce. Um, and Robin's not around yet. We don't know if he's going to show up. Yeah. Maybe Ratcatcher will be his Robin. Maybe Ratcatcher will be his Robin. Robin uh, Rat. A couple of art notes. Please. I thought that the sound effects were some of the best sound effects I've ever seen. Even like the first panel that says crash with Leslie's face in it. Um, and there's some, there's some points where the sound effects are just outlines of the word and the action is happening in and, and around them. I think that's uh, a great, just Sorrentinoism. He like yeah. writes, he draws sound effects into his page construction and panel layout. And mm -hmm. I think that that is so much better than just a scratch, even though yeah. those are fun too. Um, the bats that are flying throughout mm -hmm. are super, super cool. And I really liked when violence happens, there's an extra panel around the violence with a black and white cutaway of what's happening to the bones yeah um i thought i thought that those those were really nice touches i feel like sorrentino used to do that in that old man logan book that he was doing i yeah. was gonna ask yeah is, has he always done that because i felt like the bats he was inspired by jh williams on batwoman mm, I yeah see that yeah it looks like that yeah i just i love this guy's art i do too i i yeah. i i love it in this dc context I love it in something like Gideon Falls because I do think he experiments a little bit more with the medium in Gideon Falls, yep. but he's still doing stuff that's very outside the norm for a DC comic within this. So he, yeah. I think he's, again, I've said it before, but I think one of the most progressive comic book artists that there is. Yeah. I gave it a nine. Let me give it a nine and a half, man. Oh, so close. Ooh, um, yeah. And I gave it a nine. Hell yeah. Hell except, yeah. Except for the cover. Cause I can't, touch this comic without wearing both gloves mm. it's got one of those black instant oil print covers glossy for the fans at home let the record show that roman just held up two hands covered in exactly what i would imagine roman dressed as a mime would wear the glove does fit you and you know what that means quit. he is guilty as shit um <laughs> And he's doing a mime impersonation now through Zoom. So that's very good audio Hashtag content. Y'all just missed it. it. Um, <laughs> Strange Adventures number 12, the final issue of Strange Adventures came out. Tom King, Evan Shaner, and Mitch Garrids. The end of this. And I felt like more than most Tom King books, I needed to marinate in this one a bit. And I am very eager to hear your two thoughts on it because... I think I was waiting for some final shoe to drop, something to spin, something to happen to change the paradigm. And it all happened last issue. But you had proposed like maybe we don't know what's going to happen in this issue. It's going to be like, you know, they were dreaming all along or, yeah. you know, and and that wasn't the case. This this is almost just like an epilogue. Yeah. I, I thought it was really weird and I don't know how I feel about it. I, I maybe I maybe don't like the end. I might be a little disappointed. But I do think that there's a layer that I'm missing. 
this this is so interesting because I was hoping you guys could fill me in because I was like, okay, it's been over a month. Why why is Alana saying it's Mr. Triffic's fault? What I'm, I'm kind yeah, of there was there was a bit in her narration which then felt like she was misrepresenting the situation to him. Yeah. And and I don't know if that was sort of feeding into this overall response that he had, which is like, look at you twisting the truth again, like that she's been doing that this whole time. Um, or if it was, yeah, um, I don't know. I I think when Mr. Miracle finished, we were all sort of like, what do we like this? What was the end of it? How was the end of it? Mm-hmm. It was our sort of first Tom King ambiguous ending. Um, and then I think since then, there's been some more definitive endings for series that he's had. Something like Rorschach, I thought was pretty there. Yeah. Um, but now we're kind of back to this, what does it all mean type of thing? And I'm almost tempted to feel like we need to return to this issue in like a month or so and have a re-follow-up after we've gotten some more opinions on board because yeah roman your point is totally right it's been there was quite a gap between 11 and 12 was there yeah huh i believe you i just yeah i'm i am curious about it because i've been wondering you've talked i'll look it up um yeah i don't know the 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 whole i i liked the swashbuckling things in this issue quite a bit where they have the sand monster uh and they heat up the sand enough to turn it into glass so he can't pull sand up from the ground anymore and um, but to have Alana just kind of abandon their, like get their kid and then abandon their kid, leaving their daughter with uh, Mr. Terrific. I don't know. This this whole thing might have been a story about Alana, Alana's journey more than Adam's journey. Because I think Adam's stuff happened already and Alana's, Alana's stuff happens in this, mostly in this issue, although we've seen her sort of dealing with different machinations on the way. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did you, did you like this roman uh, i did though i think it's more for the um kind of the technical mastery of the form in the mm-hmm. issue than i did the actual thematics of it um and i and i still don't I, and i like like the end of every issue with a quote from a comic book creator though i still don't know quite how they fit with other than the fact that this is a classic comic book character right though this one from gil kane his last sentence is it generally takes dedication and fanaticism. And of course that relates to Adam's story and all this, or at least the story we've been told of Adam, whichever is true. But I was wondering, is it also saying something about Alana's fanaticism? Maybe? I, I, I don't know. I think that's an interesting point. So Jane and I both just looked it up and 11 was came out in seven on 727. So almost two and a half months ago, oh, which no. is, yeah, like it speaks to kind of the fogginess of, of it. But um, those quotes sort of, and I think I brought it up on the previous issue or maybe a different one, but um, I think it, in my mind, I was viewing it as kind of speaking to the fictions that we create about our own narratives. Like those were all sort of about comic creators creating fiction. And it seems like a big part of this is, is the, the fictionalization or mythologizing of our own lives or the opposite of that, but just sort of the stories we tell ourselves to or other people to seem a certain way. And this kind of came down to Adam Strange telling Alana a story and then her kind of feeding a story to Mr. Terrific and all of it is sort of just like misrepresentation of the truth. And so it seems like there's something there in the ball of wax to, but I, I I also have to choose to believe it's a little bit deeper than that. But I also think that, yeah, the technical master, like you said, is, is really impressive. It, It sort of hits me like some Grant Morrison comics, which is like, sometimes I read those and I'm like, this is so good because it's all going to pay off. And then when the end doesn't hit, it's sort of like, okay, 
now I need to relook at like how much of how much of it I did I really like. Did did it pay off three issues ago and I didn't like, know it? Last issue really was a felt like it could have been the end, you know, like a climactic yeah. thing. But I felt guess like he two did, or three it, more pages would have wrapped it up for me. Yeah, yeah, but there's something weird about like a, when Alana was sort of talking about how happy Alia, Alia, Alila, anyway, was. Lulu. And now because of Mr. Terrific, she's got to come home to a broken family. It's like, well, you don't, you didn't want her there. She wasn't happy. Like, seems mm-hmm. like I don't really fully know the motivations of Alana and Adam. Yeah. 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 And I liked, I, I don't know, there, there was interesting stuff here. I just don't really know why. I will give it an 8.5 because I think from a technical level throughout the entire series, it was really impressive. And it was a great bit of thing to have coming out through the bulk of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And it was always impressive and always something I looked forward to. I do think that I wanted a little bit more out of the ending. And I'm not willing to say yet that it's not there. I'm going to assume yeah. that there's a little bit more work I can do. That's a that's an 8.5 for the issue or for the series? 8.5 for the issue. And I would give the series a whole as a 9. And I think that had it really nailed the landing, I think there's room for it to have been like a 9.5 or a 10 as a series. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go 8 and a 9. Okay. Roman's got his um, gloves on and his magnifying glass out. <laughs> just because I noticed on the very last panel at the bookstore, um, there's books that are jokes about DC characters and I can't read them all. There's one on Wonder Woman. There's one with Lobo on a cover, but I can't tell what the mm. title is. The first one I know is it's, it's a book about Wildcat called Nine Lives. That's <laughs> that's pretty cute. It's In My Words by Lobo. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, 8.5, maybe a nine for me. I mean, I like the series. I'm not sure I really understand it, but I liked it. And for comic book technique and mastery and everything a comic book is, it's great. Yeah, totally agree. And I like a different, you know, a new take on Alana and Adam Strange. Most yeah. interesting Adam Strange comic I've ever read more than one panel of, for sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Jeff Lemire had the second issue of May's book come out this week. We talked about issue number one on an episode, I think, while Django was camping in Montana um by the fireside and by the train tracks and the train tracks lots of camping not lots of sleeping if you know what i mean <laughs> um woo woo <laughs> uh i really liked the first issue i really like this second issue as well mm-hmm. django tell me about this thing oh jeff lemire jeff lemire and he's <laughs> writing and drawing it which is a wonderful thing he just he's got such a good sense of pacing i agree um and he's he's got this guy who's Got got phone calls from his missing daughter uh, in the middle of the night, and now he's kind of chasing this down. And he goes to see his ex wife, um, his his daughter's mom, and that was that was a very realistic seeming interaction that they had to me. Um, and the daughter used to really like doing mazes, so he grabs he grabs some maze books and ends up kind of dreaming, maybe maybe visiting this maze in a like this city maze. It looks super cool. And, and he, at the end of this issue, he realizes that the city that he's in is a maze, but the way that he gets there seems kind of like a stretch. So I don't know if we, I don't know if we're going to see the daughter. I, I would almost like to, to have this book turn out that the guy's just sort of slipping and the daughter, the daughter is just being represented in his mind and he's, he's losing it. Yeah, I that's kind of my read on it is the you know the cliffhanger of the previous issues he gets a phone call in the middle of the night and it's his daughter and says come find me or something to that extent. He does check his phone records and he did get a phone call at that point. 
mm-hmm. and he goes to visit you know the mother of his daughter i wasn't clear i don't think we know yet like did the daughter die or did she go missing i think she just disappeared okay so that's even more yeah. you know kind of freaky and makes more sense why he would be looking for her but yeah to me it's sort of like this issue kind of made it clear ish in my interpretation that what this book is is sort of a a meditation on grief and the ways mm-hmm. that we cope with grief and when we can't put something to bed how we still kind of can make like there's a problem to be solved or a truth to be found um but roman what was your read uh, that was also my read um I, I so far i mean i don't really care if the daughter's alive or not um just his her father's maybe deteriorating faculties is what's interesting i totally agree i love that the way that the ex-wife or the mother of the daughter is just sort of like you don't look like the the line of just like she it's been 10 years since she's been gone you know life had a choice of either move on or die and you haven't made a decision yet you mm-hmm. know it's been like that's such an interesting a great way of expressing yeah. that point and she's like you don't look like you're feeding yourself you haven't shaved in forever so yeah the idea of him i would be i agree with you roman i would be i'm more interested in her not being there to be found like being dead but just more being a trip down this dude's uh a, attempt to cope with a situation he's never been able to cope with I'd be surprised if we get that being a comic book and all. Yeah. The, my, my only complaint, because I think that this is, I think this shows what comics can do and how they can be impactful. My only complaint though would be that the maze that he was looking at in the book is not consistent. Um, well, no I think that, that the important thing about the maze is that, because I looked at it too and analyzed it maybe a little bit more than was necessary, but- uh, What are you saying? There is a consistency with the maze, which is the center of it is not accessible from the outside it's entirely sealed from the as a path so i don't know and that's in both pictures of it interesting it extends open to the left but it's still blocked off and all things so i don't know if that's a metaphor for an area that he's never going to be able to get to um (laughs) or something like that but that was a consistency of the maze interesting this brought up because he was talking about his daughter and how good she was at mazes as a kid and she would just not like like not plan it out or trace right. it out or anything. She just instantly start with a pen. In the moment, yeah. Well, it made me think of something. I mean, how did you guys do mazes when you were a kid? Inside would, out, baby. Yeah, see, there's always, you could you start mean? at the center and go outside. Right. But no, I would try that's, and start from the inside and kind of, pre- like I would use my yeah. eyes to draw paths and then okay. follow the one that's Okay, that's correct. what I did. I'd always start in the center. Well, I didn't, yeah. And work backwards. Yeah. I think I tried to solve them visually before I put my pen down. Yeah, that's what I would yeah. do. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys know this, but if you're ever trapped in a labyrinth situation, Put your hand on the wall and just keep going. Bang. Yeah. yeah. You'll get out. I went to Bellwood Acres today and there's a corn maze. And every year I go there with Sam and she asked me if we can go in the corn maze. And I say, no, because you can get lost. And I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of corn mazes. <laughs> I've never been in a corn maze. Me neither. And they're terrifying. Can I, I, can I make a suggestion? Can I, can I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Can I go do you. it with Sam? Yeah. Ew. Gross. That's my girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, I would I mean, like the corn maze. <laughs> Roman and Sam to go into the corn maze. Mm-hmm. And then Jeff, you run around the outside of it, shouting to them. <laughs> yeah. That'd in be a fun. big circle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I give maze book a nine. Uh, I said about the first episode, it's the perfect type of melancholy that fits with my melancholy. And on a lot of days, it's exactly what I need. And I enjoyed it a lot the day that I read it this week. And I think that there's even an opportunity if I was feeling a little morose or melancholy, I would have liked it even more. It's the perfect type of accompaniment for someone who's nostalgic and longs for the past in an unhealthy way. Oh my God. Do you think the dog they show on the cover of the next issue, do you think that's melancholy? Oh, you (laughs) son of a butthole. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I gave it an eight. No, I'll give it an 8.5. I'll give it a nine. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. 
I'm going to give it a nine and a half. And uh, I just, I trust this guy so much. It would be a 10 if the mazes had matched. Um, and so <laughs> well, I they reserve do the match. right. They don't quite match. Does the maze on his arm, the tattoo, but it's does like that a, match? It's like a fictional, it's like a hallucination. Like, why, I don't know that it needs to, not that I'm disagreeing. No, the, 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 there's two panels of him looking at a book. Oh, yeah. And the book oh, mazes those aren't the same. Yeah, yeah, no, actually, while I was reading those, I had the thought of just like, it would be crazy to be trying to draw maps on a small panel. This book almost gave me the feeling that it was drawn smaller and blown up mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. times, which would make drawing maps even more difficult. But okay, so, sorry, Jing, I, I think it was misinterpreting as the two maps, the two mazes that he stumbles across are. Oh, no, that's that's fine. That that shouldn't be exactly the same. But yeah, uh, nine, nine and a half. And uh, I'm I'm giving you a nine and a half on trust, Mr. Lemire. I'm trusting that by the end of this book, we're going to find the daughter in the middle of the maze and it's going to be snowing there and she's going to be walking through the snow. <laughs> I don't want that, but um, Roman, take yeah. me down to, to Paradise Panama, City? Paradise City, where the grass is green and the roses are pretty. Superman Authority number four. I haven't read this since issue number one. It's a Grant Morrison book. It seems like it would be oh. something I would love. I just, you know, they're dense. I've, well, I've stacked them up. They've kept coming in. And uh, tell me about this series and what happens at the end of it and what is it about? Oh, gosh. Um, well, it's one of the, I think you will love it. It's one of those Grant Morrison stories that it does all come together in this issue um, and all the threads make sense. It's Superman, who I thought in the beginning of the series was at slightly in the future, at least. He's drawn with gray a, hair. Yeah, he's got white at his temples and around the back, just like Reed Richards. Um, and he's assembling a team that, I don't know if they call themselves the Authority, but they're called that on the cover, um, to... to proactively take on villains and crime and operate even when he's not around. So it's Midnighter and Apollo and the Steel, Steel's daughter and some new characters, Manchester Black. Um, and in this issue, uh, which I think it feels like it's a little thicker than the previous issues, um, it's great because it turns out the big bad in this is the ultra, ultra humanite who Superman keeps referring to as his first ever uh, superpowered villain, which it mm. was for the golden age Superman, who's then considered Earth 2 Superman, but we've got this Superman. So I'm kind of like, I'm kind of thinking, wow, so is Grant Morrison any this basically saying the same thing he did with Batman, that all the Superman stories in any medium, they all happen to the same guy. <laughs> because, you know, that's the golden age Superman that first fought the ultra humanite. Um, and that's the beauty of comics. Yeah. And so this, and the bad guy team, and this is great. It's ultra humanite, but he's in Solomon Grundy's body and Eclipso's there. And Eclipso's a great villain who's coming back kind of because he's the big villain on season three of Stargirl or season two, whatever, season three. So they're all there. And the and it's just a fun issue. There's some great battles, some good characterization. And it turns out the thing that surprised me, spoilers, folks, um, at the end of this, Superman says, this is great. This is a good team. They all work well together. Um, which is awesome because now we have to go to war. We have to leave earth and go to war world and take that out. So it turns out this is the Superman. That's the same Superman that just said goodbye to his son, John over in action comics, which I'm confused by because that Superman doesn't have gray at the temple. Yeah. So I, th I thought this was an older Superman, but I, apparently it's the same Superman that's in regular Mark DC books. Yeah, and we mentioned that last week because he kind of, when he says goodbye, he has the authority with him. He's like, all right, team, let's go. So they kind of spoiled this ending with that. Oh, okay. I, I didn't read that issue. Oh, and I wasn't on last week. Um, so yeah, that was all a surprise to me. Um, I remember two weeks ago, but yeah. Yeah, and I, for, I forget why Morrison explains in this why he's also got 
this cool Superman costume that's different than his regular Superman costume. But at the end of this, he puts on his regular Superman costume so they can leave Earth. <laughs> it's that story. So I, I haven't read issues three and four, but the whole beginning of that is certainly not the Superman that has been hanging out with John. Like, yeah, I, I thought I, I, I don't like that they are trying to shoehorn this into the regular universe. Seems to me like it was written and had started being drawn when it was going to be 5G, which was going to be an event that took place in the future and then things happened and then they decided oh. to make it not be happening in the future and there was not enough art changes that could be made and story elements. So they're just like, just ignore the fact he looks old until it's, no, wait, it's the same guy. Just take out the <laughs> word war world, guys. Just change that. Okay. Yeah. I well, yeah. there's a page toward the end of it, a full page where Superman says, let's bring the thunder. And then the caption is, follows Superman and the authority as they embark on the fight to free war world, getting in action comics. 1036. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what do you give it? Um, I gave it, it was a lot of fun. I gave it a 9.5. Nice. Is it for the I, barf? I look forward to reading barf. it. In number one. There was already, barf in number one. Oh, that's right. That's right. I would have given it, I would have given it a 10, but the whole like older but not older Superman thing confused me. Yeah, yeah, that's lame. That's just editorial problem right there. I think it's pronounced yeah. Lemay. Lamier. It's no, that's Lemier. Le, Jeff Le, Lemier. Jeff Lemay. Um, let's check in with our good friend Andrew, who has some thoughts on the final issue of Immortal Hulk, which Roman didn't get quite to finish this I week. Know, I'm, even I'm it's one sorry, of Andrew. Books. I apologize. Um, I'm only halfway through it. But it was a giant book on a week of a lot of comics. So. Yeah. Immortal fucking Hulk. God damn. Wow. That's it. That's all that's <laughs> there. So I think that he liked Immortal Hulk number 50, the end of that. I'm, gosh, talking about a series I wish I was current on. <laughs> it's it's going to make a great reread in the volumes. It's going to be a giant 50-page omnibus that'll be gorgeous if Marvel allows it to be reprinted because they hate that artist because he's a total scumbag. <laughs> You know, I'm sure I'm sure they'll keep it in print. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's too successful not to. I think um, I'm, I'm probably 28 issues behind, but I really liked everything I read. <laughs> I'm about 20 issues behind. Yeah. I made it I'm, a bit past 25. I'm half an issue behind. Mm. I know Ashton caught up and got to read it on his birthday, uh, oh, yes. which is great. Okay. Well, thanks, Andrew, for that. We'll, we'll assume that's a 10, and I assume Roman's going to give it a 10. Yeah, I expect it to be a 10. Uh, before we get into the Berk Church... We got to talk about Darkhold Iron Man number one. This one is written by our old friend Ryan North of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl fame and art by Guillermo Sana. This is one that Roman came in and was like, you got to read this. And then Braden was like, this is amazing. And I thought, okay, there's a lot of fluids in it. I don't know what I'm going to think. And I read it today and it was so disturbing and so good. And I love that they're just sort of like doing a retelling of sort of his first appearance from Tales of Suspense, but actually making it like a single one shot, just Tale of Suspense story. And I haven't read the Dark Hold Alpha thing, but apparently the Dark Hold book is out there and Tawn, C-H-T-O-N or whatever is making Lovecraft stuff. People see alternate nightmares, futures or realities or something. I'm not sure, but um, this functions as an amazing one shot that you can just dip in and read. Roman, you were the first one to read this. Tell me, unload on my chest with the ice cream. <laughs> oh, I'll be glad to. I love it when you ask me that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I wasn't going to read this, but then I saw it was Ryan Knorr, so I read it. Yeah, and after this issue, I'm at first I was like, oh, this dark hole thing, whatever. It's another blasted Marvel event. But now I really like that they did it and just the loosest framework that Dark Hole Alpha, basically it ends up, 
at the end, a bunch of superheroes read a passage from the Darkhold, and that alters the reality. And that's all you have. It's an, it's an excuse to do what-if stories without calling them what-if stories. Mm. So this was a great retelling of Iron Man's origin as a horror story. Um, it's it's gross and visceral. He gets in the armor, and just like originally, he can't take the armor off because it's keeping his heart beating. But in this, and again, people, spoilers. Um, in this, the AI he created for the armor, it operates so logically that it decides that, well, the most logical thing to do is get rid of damaged biology within the suit. So Pepper tries to take off his gauntlet once and it, it his skin comes with it because his skin is all slowly dissolving because, you know, the, the armor's like, the AI is like, well, you don't need skin. You got this armor. You got an exoskeleton. So yeah, it's let's like get, let's get rid of the extraneous matter. It's healing his broken bones. It's That's like awesome. healing his yeah. organs. <laughs> but yeah, like it's basically saying, you know, your organs and stuff inside an iron suit, you know, like the skin is really just a thing. That, and it it just like he becomes organs within a suit and his brain even starts to like bend in this horrific way that like it believes that it that these are all the right decisions for it to be being made and it is disturbing yeah and tragic because he professes his love for pepper before they realize what's happening and then it starts happening and like jeff said there's you know dissolved human being leaking out of the orifices of the armor and stuff as he's talking and doing things you know i just realized it reminds me of it reminds me of like an iron man version of the fly yeah yeah definitely it's just yeah. tragic and horrifying and disgusting and visceral and just stark sad. fly stark yeah. fly and and the artwork by Guillermo Guillermo yeah Guillermo Asana that's it's yeah very atmospheric like the fly it's very dark lots of kind of Frankavia like yeah yeah and they have all these embedded pages that are panels from the original tale to astonish and just sort of like telling that panel but sort of as a metaphor rather than a literal thing it's it's great jingle you're gonna love this issue i brought it home today and then forgot that it was in my bag it's very good it it is and the ai you know decides well how do i say how do we uh protect people and the rest of humanity maybe do the same thing <laughs> it's it's pretty messed up. It's it's real good. So I gave that one actually a 9.5. That was my highest score of the week. I just found myself like totally engrossed while reading it and very concerned about Pepper. And it was just it was very yeah, visceral. I get a yeah. I give it an N slash A. Ooh, I won. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are re- gonna read it or re- have read it. I also gave a 9.5. Yeah. Um, who wants to start off the old biggity big 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 shirts? This is a returning segment from you know pre-pandemic. We would all be sitting in a room together. You get to talk about as many or as few books as you want in 90 seconds, and then the alarm will go off. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's fun. We like to do it, especially when there's you know. We can't necessarily agree on exactly what books need to come out or, or talked about or we haven't talked. Just we've read different books. OK, Django, you're so, up. Go. 90 so, seconds. Oh, oh, fuck. I was going to make you do it. Uh, Black Hammer Reborn number four wraps up this arc in a, a really interesting way. Good cliffhanger um, gives us some backstory into where the uh, the super bad guy came that, that came from the anti-god. Um, Gives us a little more about Dr. Andromeda and shows us why Lucy doesn't pick up the hammer anymore. The next arc has new artists, or I guess the, the next issue has uh, guest artist Malachi Ward and Matthew Sheehan. It'll be interesting to see other artists on this book. 
Um, I also read Dead Box number two from Mark Russell. And uh, this guy just loves putting bananas in comics. Um, I'm going to pretend it's because he and I share a love of bananas, but uh, it might be something a little more threatening. I think he's maybe making the banana verse. Um, another great issue from a weird comic from an offbeat publisher like Vault. Mark Russell, keep doing your thing. Uh, Blue and Gold gives us the debut of Buggles, Blue Beetle's version of Skeets. And he's got a Blue Beetle buggy. And I just like these two. I don't, it's not very good, but I really like it. Oh. That's my time, folks. Uh, thanks for coming time. tonight. Tip your, tip your Jeffrey. Tip your Jeffrey. Um, Roman, do you have a beer chair for us? I do. You're right. And I just want to agree with Django about blue and gold. Though this issue, I think it had a different artist. I didn't like it. It's mm, troubling. Yeah, it was yes. was it Cully Hammer? I think it was. But it looked a little different than his stuff usually looks. But it is. It's not a it was, it's not yeah. good book, but it's fun. Roman, you're on the clock. Go. Oh, I am? Okay. Uh Kane the Conqueror number three. You know, this is just a, a good Marvel book with all this goofy time travel, cosmic stuff, and Doctor Doom's in it and Kang's various aspects are in it the event the classic avengers are in it it's just just a good read and a lot of timey-wimey multiple level stuff um hardware season one number two i'm liking these milestone books and i'm enjoying hardware he's basically the milestone universe version of iron man except he's a black man so things are going badly um the weird thing about the book it's uh Dennis Cohen and bill sinkovich artwork which is great but there's some weird like i don't know artistic pacing between panels where transitions are miss, missing or something and it's interesting it's good but it's it's strange um chung chi number five by jean luen yang still a fun series. again it's another great marvel book uh he's taken over his father's organization and that everybody thinks is criminals so now everybody thinks that chung chi is a criminal so the iron man's coming after him different superheroes and he has to convince him i'm not a bad guy i'm disposing blah 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 and it's just fun and again you get to see him fight guys like iron man using kung fu and it sounds dumb but it's really cool oh i still got time wonder woman returns in issue 780 i forgot roman you've uh you've bounced from shang chi to shang chi now to shang chi that's because I haven't seen the movie and I can't remember the way you pronounce it, but it's not Shang-Chi. Well, I'll tell you in the movie, his name is Sean and he's Sean. in hiding <laughs> as Shang, other Sean? way around. His name's Shang and he's hiding out as Sean. So it's Shang, Sean, Shang, Sean. So it's Shang-Chi. Yeah. Isn't that what I said? I don't know. Pretty I don't close. know. <laughs> Pretty close. Jeff, you got a minute and a half. Go. Okay, well, I just want to use this minute and a half to talk about The Amazing Spider-Man number 76. This is the second issue since... What's his name? Spencer's run ended. And this is written by Zeb Wells with art by Patrick Leeson. I really liked Zeb Wells from the limited amount of stuff I've read of his. And I like the Patrick Leeson art a lot. It's better than the Spider-Man stuff was that he was doing before, probably because he had a lot more lead time. At the end of the previous issue, spoilers, the U-men, UFOs, radioactive blow up Peter, and he gets a bunch of radiation poisoning. He's in the hospital and he's with Ben Riley. And Ben like calls people, pretends he's Peter. So they come to the hospital to take care of him and he disappears. And it's just awesome because Peter's like really messed up. He's got radiation poisoning. The way that his spider sense reacts to that, I thought was really interesting. I like that a lot. I really like the guilt that Ben Riley has, but I really like Peter unpacking his own feelings about it because like they do have the same memories and you know, no matter how weird it will be for Peter to have his clone around, it's also got to be really weird for his clone because he doesn't really get to live the life that is as much his as it is Peter's. Um, 
And we get to some good stuff where now Ben's going to be take over being Spider-Man with Peter's blessing because Peter can't feel his body now. Um, he doesn't want Ben to know that, but it's it's just uh, very good. I think there could have been a little bit more magnitude to like the the how uh, concerned we are for Peter's health. Um, but then we find out he can't feel his body after Ben leaves. So he's trying to hide that from Ben. So Ben will be out to do it his own thing. But um, all, all in all, I'm really digging it. Yeah, that was a good issue. I like that a lot too. Yeah, I'm. I love when there's a new Spider-Man book that's got a tone and a direction I really like. And uh, it seems like oftentimes I can get lost along the way, but I really like this. They have a new artist writer coming on next week. It's Kelly Thompson. Actually, it's two weeks from now, so I don't really know what the hmm. writing and art sharing duties of this moving forward is going to be. But interesting. That's what I've got. Like 52, but the like like a deconstructed and reconstructed 52. Yeah, I hope it's not more than like three creators. And it's not like them all telling it simultaneously. It seems like maybe trading off two issue arcs and more. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting. interesting. But I like Kelly Thompson, so it'll be good to see what they do. Um, who's the artist on the next issue? Good question. I will tell you while you fill in my time. There once was a man from Nantucket. Oh, oh no. <laughs> His name was Roman Statler. Oh, now I like it. <laughs> Sarah Pacelli is the artist. Yeah, I like Sarah Pacelli. She's the artist that was on board for the creation of Miles. Mm -hmm. Good Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, that pretty much brings us to our close. Virginia, you just inhaled like maybe you had something. Uh, it's it's not it's not worth saying okay well maybe if anything comes to mind if you're thinking about anything heavy later on you can bring it up um thanks for the emails that came in will and andrew if you're listening at this point and you haven't sent an email in come on come on we're here every day i got some good news what's that i think we're back to where we like i think we got our listeners back oh good i think here's my conspiracy theory okay i think maybe the apple update mess with some people's things i would believe it yeah i also know that we have a number of listeners from spotify as well so ooh, shopify listeners shopify listeners um shout out to all those people hey shout out mike moore today who came into the store jen got to talk to him he says he's listening to the no he didn't come in today but he came in recently and oh. Django said he got to talk to him and uh that's a guy we like a lot and i hope he's doing well and thanks yeah. for continuing to listen and you're a great part of comics as a whole yeah. Yeah, he called us. He called the other day. Oh, he didn't come like in. That he called. Yeah, I like him a lot. I, I wish he'd yeah. come in. Yeah. yeah. Good dude. Good, good, good dude. So shout out Mike Moore. You can shoot us an email to get read here. That's what I was trying to get everyone to do at jeff at the comicsplace.com. Get those in. Get yeah. those emails in. Scratch Doesn't have to be a question. Just be like, hey, I read this thing. I'm like, yeah, scratch our GD backs or else Roman is going to make us do it. And it's gross when Roman makes us scratch his back. Tell it's us your nice favorite. Back. Tell us your favorite imaginary non-sexual wet dream of romans yeah or um what was the best thing you read during the pandemic either one of those things um um, well so thanks for listening as always i'm jeff i'm roman i'm Django. i i was guys i was wondering something what were you wondering okay what's on your mind big guy well so peter and ben are clones Mm -hmm. ben has peter's memories what do you think it would be like to have a clone and your memories get updated as they're making them. So you're simultaneously gaining the same memories that they're like the clone is gaining the memories the other person has while also building their own memories. Yeah. Double memory. Yeah. Is that, is that like some Jason Bourne shit or I feel like, I feel like you could do something with that. Um, uh, deja vu 
kind of sure. two eyeballs, one eyeball in each time. I'm sure you could. There must be a mutant on Genosha that does that. Or Krakoa. <laughs> Genosha is the island that died. Well, on yeah. that note, give it back. To, there, remind, there is something about that. Something about like losing your memories to a different life that's kind of happening. Co- like, there's uh, uh, Yeah, there's something there, Django. Um, get those responses into us and tell us what you like about Roman's dreams. Can we make a pledge? Yeah. Next episode, Jeff will read out loud every single email that we get easily one, yeah. one email per person may become the limit if it if we get too many messages yeah if you're listening at this point in this podcast yeah send us your emails and i will read them no matter what every word of every email <laughs> that comes in oh, like that i can't imagine we've never had more than like five in a week so i can't imagine that's gonna bite us <laughs> what you know, get in could here. go wrong <laughs> what could go wrong watch jeff break everyone that would be great we'll see you all next week Bye.